Welcome to I Hate Sand, a Star Wars podcast. I'm Taylor. I'm Aaron. I'm Reagan. We're just three lifelong friends sitting around a table talking about hot Star Wars topics. We recognize that Star Wars means a lot of different things for a lot of different people, and we may disagree on the specificities, but at the end of the day, we all love Star Wars. Let's dive right in. All right, boys, let's talk about a very hot topic. The best movie. Button issue problem. The Rise of Skywalker. The most recent addition. Our our outro to the Skywalker saga. I thought it was perfect. There's, I have absolutely no flaws with it and no plot holes. They tied everything up perfectly. Well... <sighs> 10 out of 10. My favorite movie. For listeners who don't know our sarcasm, which is majority of our language, uh, none of what was just said is true. Yeah. It, we have just quite, quite a few problems with The Rise of Skywalker. Now, I'll start off with the first time I saw it, I was blown away. I was like, oh my God, this is the best movie I've seen. And I, I think it was the shock factor of Ray being a Palpatine. But beware. She is not who you think she is. Who is she? And also seeing Ian McDermott return to his role as the Emperor. Yeah, he's a great actor. Fits the character very well. Yeah. It is in your blood. Our blood. No. Your hatred. Your anger. Spirit will pass into you as all the Sith live in. But should the Emperor have returned? <laughs> no. Hard no. Yeah, so that was my... I mean, okay. On one hand, it was fun to see him in the role again. Yeah. I I think he he's a great actor. I think he was great as Palpatine. Um Especially in episode three, you know, he really showed off his acting chops Mm -hmm. going from the senator to the full-fledged dictator who is Palpatine. And so to to have that return was fun. However, I was very disappointed in his return because it completely undermines the ending of the original trilogy. Yeah. Talking about redemption arcs like in Solo, (laughs) (laughs) it really steals Darth Vader's thunder. For, For how much I can complain about solo. I, this one is a much bigger issue for me because the entire redemption of like the whole balancing of the force with Luke that and Anakin, Vader. yeah, Vader and, and Anakin, um, Oh, sorry. Um, excuse me, Anakin and Luke, mm-hmm. you know, their, their cooperation together to try to bring back this balance and end the reign of the empire. It's just completely <laughs> ignored. Thrown in the trash. Yeah. Which is return. Trash compactor. A steamy pile so, of shit. <laughs> There's a huge problem with that ideology near the end of the movie, right? Basically, all the Jedi that we've that we've had start to speak to her. To Ray. Right. So we hear Luke, we hear Obi Wan, we hear Mace, we hear Anakin. And Anakin's is the interesting one because he says, Bring balance to the force as I did. Ray. Bring back the balance, Ray, as I did. 
But the very fact of Palpatine coming back shows that there was not balance brought to the yeah. force. Yeah. Right. And it's also weird that he wouldn't know that because it seems like as a force ghost, you would be able to realize things. Be with me is what she keeps saying. Yes, She that's says, right. be with me. And then all of these voices at the very beginning, you know, she, she's hovering, meditating, reciting, be with me. And here's nothing. Be with me. They're not with me. Ugh. And then you're not with me in or this. Like yeah. That. And then in this moment towards the end, Palpatine seems to have the sure victory. Cause now apparently his force lightning is on a global scale. Yeah. Rather than a six-foot <laughs> radius scale. Nothing will stop the return of the Sith. He's really upped his game. I actually liked the Force Lightning. Thing. Look, it was, look, it was cool. cool. It was really beautiful. It was. It, it was, was the most fun. powerful use of Force Lightning we've ever seen. Yeah, it was fun to watch, especially having to reveal earlier that she can also channel the dark side and use force lightning like it was cool to see that but at the same time the fact stands that the balance was in fact not brought simply by virtue of palpatine being in the movie i think palpatine coming back may have been used better if they had not introduced him in the first minute Mm -hmm. of the movie yeah Mm -hmm. they bungled the the second yeah the second setting of the film has palpatine um, along yeah. with Palpatine, let's talk about why no one dies in this movie. It, um, I mean, in the whole, no major characters. Yeah, yeah. Uh, sequel trilogy, mm-hmm. they have such a huge problem with death, but it is very, very apparent in yeah in nine. In my humble opinion, which anyone can disagree with my opinion, if you want, nicely, please. <laughs> Chewbacca should have died where he died mm-hmm. because. We see this balance act that Ray has of balancing the dark side and the light side. Mm-hmm. And she chooses to rely on the anger side. And when she relies on the anger, the lightning blows up the ship. There should have been, there should have been consequences for yeah. that. And Chewie, I think that might have been like a shock factor for Chewie dying so suddenly, but I think it would have been fine. It, it, needed, been it needed that because by the end of the movie, all stakes are kind of taken away. So Palpatine was supposed to have died this pretty violent death, mm-hmm. but within you know 60 seconds into the film, that's upended. <laughs> and none of that matters. Apparently being thrown down... A, an electrical shaft. Well, he's a we clone already we already being knew blown that. Up. He did die. He's a clone. We already knew that with Darth Maul. Okay. Right, right. Darth Maul can survive yeah, okay, yes, a shaft. He's, he's a clone. So, or, like in, in a way, Vader did bring balance to the Force. It's just like a fucking cop out that they found a way to like work around it with clones. Let's talk about C three PO's death in quotation marks that also <laughs> should have happened. Yeah. I think it would have been a noble sacrifice had his memory been wiped right. of all of his friends. But yet again... Wait, wait, wait. We make him translate it. He won't remember anything. Good. Remember, I go black. Oh. Black, black. There must be some other way. Doesn't R2 back up your memory? Oh, please. R2 storage units are famously unreliable. He's okay. Good old R2-D2. Had yeah. a backup He's of his memory. He's got the backup. 
Yeah. R2 is a real MVP. He didn't, you know, I mean, it sure, been a he, great, didn't, it he didn't been, remember everything up to that moment. There were pieces missing, but it would have been a great remains. sacrifice and it would have been a great ending for C-3PO's character, I think. Yeah. yeah. If this mission fails, it was all for nothing. All we've done all this time. What are you doing there, 3PO? Taking one last look, sir, at my friends. Even if, like, he had been scrapped for parts or something mm-hmm. and not come back from that, I think it would have been good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. A little side this is note. The, this is the conclusion of nine movies. Right. right. We needed... And he's been in the whole series. Yeah. The stakes needed to be higher. Yeah. And yeah. the... the the consequences should have been heavier. Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially when you consider that like Star Wars is directed mainly at children. Yeah, I mean, so I if think you're trying to like teach children a lesson that if you like give an anger like Ray does and use the dark side, that there should be a consequence for that. Right. right. And that like if you're, it really takes the thun like steals the thunder from C three PO's sacrifice that he just comes back and it's like, right. What was the point? Mm-hmm. I mean, I think a great correlate here is the Harry Potter series, um, also geared at kids. Mm-hmm. You know, they they started as books and were turned into films. But the, by the end, you know, everything is culminating into this big battle, this big war, uh, as as its conclusion, and the stakes are huge at the end of it. You know, J.K. Rowling, in my opinion, did a great job of taking away characters that hurt, but that that invests us as the audience into these characters and into the story even more because now these characters that we've been following for many years, you know, through our childhood for a lot of us are taken away and it's, it's crushing, but we want even more so out of that, that pain for our heroes to, to come through and win. Mm -hmm. Whereas with this one, you know, I mean, we can list all the characters who were supposed to have some kind of demise and it's a pretty long list, but by the end, all of them are fine. Yeah. Yeah. And our, know, our, our drive for them to win is diminished by it to a pretty significant degree because those stakes have now just been brought so much lower. It reminds me of this situation where Finn is trying to like crash into the Death Star, like <laughs> yeah. battering ring. And he's Let's just talk about that. In his sacrifice is yeah. just fucked. So I think what we can say about the sequel trilogy, since we're kind of wrapping it up with episode nine, is that it doesn't take enough risk. Yeah. It it just it tries to play it safe. You know, it's it's a, a series for Star Wars fans, um, made by Star Wars fans that well, it doesn't really take risks. It I just, would say The Last Jedi took risks. Yes. But that that's very true. Episode seven and nine did not. And so as a cohesive storyline Disney did not have their shit together. Isn't bringing yeah. the Emperor back a risk, though? I mean, in a sense, yes, it is, because he was supposed to have died. Yeah. But he was a familiar character. So I, I think J.J. Abrams is a great filmmaker, but he's a nostalgic filmmaker. So if you look at his whole filmography, everything is fueled by the past. So Super 8 is just like 80s sci-fi made in modern time. Um, he redid Star Trek. Yeah, I disagree with you on the Star Trek thing. 
I know um, that one felt a lot it different. Feels way different Look, than old yes, Star Trek. I, I understand that. I'm not saying that it's just a complete rehashing of everything in the way that he did Star Wars. But even still, like he's not an original filmmaker. Ryan Johnson, mm-hmm. on the other hand, is a very original thinker. Like he he doesn't just try to take things that he loved and do them a little bit differently. Yeah. And the last Jedi, he was trying to do that. He was trying to take something familiar and do something new and just happen to really see, receive a lot of uh, pushback on it. So, of you know, I in one way, I don't blame JJ for trying to play it so safe with this because he didn't want to get shit on yeah. as much as Ryan Johnson did. <laughs> well, let's see how that turned out. I mean, all of you who are just relentless on social media towards Ryan Johnson please just calm down. You're not helping anything. You're not winning a good fight. That said, I think it should not have been such a safe movie. Mm -hmm. I really wish we had seen Colin Trevorrow's conclusion. Yeah. Um, For those of you who haven't heard or seen, Colin Trevorrow was the original writer and director for episode nine. And the script or the basic plot line for his film leaked after episode nine came out. And I think that it was a way better story than what we got. And the concept art for it. Yeah. The concept art is absolutely beautiful. Type in to Google if you have not seen it, Star Wars Duel of the Fates. Yeah. And you'll find this concept art. This kind of reflects back to episode eight, but I kind of wish Princess Leia had died in episode eight. I do too. Because now they had this footage that they had to make shift to work yeah. from episode seven. And it was, it was awkward. It was so awkward. And it was also weird that she's like suddenly like, a, she knows a lot of shit about being a Jedi. Yeah. I do want to talk about something that should have been done in my opinion. Instead of Snoke being a puppet for a clone of the Emperor... <laughs> Yeah, Snoke, it would have been way cooler if Snoke had been Darth Plagueis. Me, yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I mean, I remember us talking about that shortly after episode seven was like, so Snoke is is Plagueis. Yeah. Obviously. Yeah, everyone thought that because it, it ties in with the prequel trilogy. It makes a lot more sense and is much more compelling than just being like some a guy. clone puppet as you yeah. find out in episode nine. You see the tank of Snoke. What a fucking stupid idea. Yeah. God damn it. It makes me so mad. Dude, imagine how scary that would be though to come across a tank of like giant Snoke clones that just would floating be pretty in the scary. Fluid. Looks so creepy. Yeah. I, I will say um, and as with pretty much all the, pr- the sequel trilogy the production value of episode nine is really good. Yes, it is. Yes. It's I mean, very back, pretty. Back to Taylor's point. I, I did not leave the theater going that was the best you know I, I mean I was very entertained I was very captivated the whole time I was a little bummed about the Palpatine reveal just yeah. because I think it was done poorly let's let's talk about how Kylo died and then didn't die and then just gave up yeah and died <laughs> well we have to also talk about her like how Ray manifests these force healing abilities, right? Mm-hmm. And she uses them on the, like, that really cool, like, snake uh, mm-hmm. creature. And then she uses them on Kylo, which she shouldn't have done. She should have just let him die, um, <laughs> in my opinion. Yep. And then, so he, like, apparently, by having the force ability used on him, he immediately knows how to do it to other people. Yeah. <laughs> and then uses it on her later. God. It's and a mess. The it's way, a mess. The way they're transferring their life force back and forth, apparently it's like 100% <laughs> one way or the other. They can't just yeah. do like 50-50 yeah. and then get in a back-to-tank. 
<sighs> yeah, it's well. If you think about it, they had to have Kylo come to an end. If if he had come back to the resistance, they would have been like, "You mean we're gonna just be cool with this guy yeah, who we're killed this all guy of our friends?" Yeah. Uh, let's talk about Finn's character in this movie. What did he want to say to Ray? Ray, <laughs> Ray. <laughs> all right. First off, Finn does two things in the in the sequel trilogy. He asks questions that are generally pretty obvious and he screams at things far away. <laughs> generally Ray. That's about the two things that he does in the sequel trilogy, which is so frustrating because he could be such a great character. You mm-hmm. know, the first time we actually have a, a former stormtrooper who we can see behind the mask and get to know, trooper. which is so, like so interesting, and they never capitalize on that enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they could have really delved into like the psychological shit he would have yes. been dealing with, and they flirt with it a few times, but yeah. it's never like really. It never lives into its potential that it has, which is so yeah. frustrating to me. Yeah, I think he's a wasted character. Like, there, there's so much more they could have done with him. Right. And there's also, like, something problematic about having, like, the the black character always screaming for, like, her, their white, the white powerful savior. savior. <laughs> Cause that's what Ray is. But second, with this whole, like, him being force sensitive thing, why? Nobody <laughs> needed that. <laughs> and what's so frustrating to me is that it would, I would have been absolutely fine with it had Ray stayed a nobody. Mm-hmm. Right, because everyone was complaining, like, well, there can't be just a nobody who is super force, you know, who has all these force abilities and can go one v one with Kylo. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, sure, you know, there's kind of an argument there, but then why would this other nobody, Finn, all of a sudden be force sensitive? JJ just absolutely scraps uh, Ryan Johnson's idea about this, about how the force works but then puts it in Finn somehow. How do you know how the Force works, dude? You don't know. <laughs> it's chlorians, man. That's not how the Force works. Like, he changed his mind on one character, but then put it in a different character, and there's no absolutely no reason for that to be the case. The only thing that, that serves Finn is to be able to say, I just had a feeling. <laughs> and that's, that's all it does. Yeah, there's right. absolutely no reason for that to have happened. That would have been that would have been a much cooler arc for him to be like the mastermind and like thinking right. of shit and like planning. Making him a force sensitive character felt absolutely worthless to me. Let's talk about the ten million Death Stars. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, well, it's the the trajectory that the Star Wars movies have been taking. Right. Episode seven. Go big, go Let's home. Have a bigger Death Star. Yeah. And this is the same thing. If you instead of coming up with a new kind of threat or some like interesting plot device, like, like episode eight is different. Um, they just try to make star destroyers more dangerous. The might of the final order will soon be ready. It will be yours. If you do as I ask. And why the fuck do they use their technology like that? Why would they have an antenna one antenna on the like, right. lead star destroyer, and then one on the ground. Right. And then if those fail, the ships can't fly. What? Who thought of that? that would... 
Oh my god! What is god. it with the Empire and the First Order and their design flaws, man? The more we talk about this, the more I hate this movie so much. <laughs> I mean, I would still like to watch it again though, because it's just fun to watch. It's fun. So, it's so entertaining. That's all there is to it. Again, so I had a kind of unique privilege, I guess, to see this movie, the premiere of this movie, with three casual to not really Star Wars fans. Mm -hmm. I was the only person like us, and I assume most of our listeners, who were actually felt some kind of investment in this story. So I I went with my almost wife, um, my brother-in-law, and her best friend. Uh, And her best friend had... My my wife had only seen these movies like with me. She didn't grow up a Star Wars fan or whatever. She's just watched them when I watched them pretty much. Um, same, you know, but my brother-in-law just goes to the premieres to be with the culture pretty uh-huh. much. Mm-hmm. But her best friend has like saw half of episode seven, I think, and then never saw episode eight and was just kind of like, I'll read up on it later and, and see this movie. And it, so it was interesting to hear their takes on, on the movie at the end. Yeah, what was it like? For for, for her, her name's Kayla, her uh, my wife's best friend. It was just like, I mean, that was pretty, but I don't know what was happening. <laughs> and I think that's very indicative of the issue with mm-hmm. the direction of the sequel trilogy is, again, like I've said, it's they are Star Wars movies for Star Wars fans, made by Star Wars fans which may not be a bad thing on its own, but I also think that you should ha- there should be a factor that invites these people who didn't grow up with Star Wars. You know, like Star Wars was not... Like the Marvel movies, for example. Lots of people read right. the comics, but you don't have... I didn't read the comics growing up, and yeah. I, I love the Marvel movies. Yeah, I mean, those are... And that's a really interesting example because they brought in, at the time, like pretty B-list superheroes yeah i mean iron man was not a a household name like Mm spider-man at the time now he is because marvel made him that way but like i i i feel like there should have been something about the sequel trilogy that even got new generation a new generation of star wars fans interested but instead it's such a nostalgia fest that if you didn't if you weren't familiar with the the language and the the imagery of what was happening around in these films there's little to to compel you and to bring you into it. It can't all just be like, that's a garbage ship, but we'll take it anyways, and then it's Millennium Falcon. Like, for someone who didn't see the original trilogy, that reveal means nothing, right? That's just, it looks like a ship, but the music is oddly very positive. So I'm cued in to realize that this is something, but I don't know what I'm... Yeah, I don't know what I'm in on. Yeah. For those of you who don't know, the Blu-ray copy of The Rise of Skywalker has a behind-the-scenes documentary that is almost three hours long. It's a very long documentary. I'd highly recommend it. It has a lot of really cool insight as to like the practical effects and the puppetry and like where everybody's heads were at and as far as the creative process was going. Um Granted, I don't agree with some of the things, but it's really, really cool to see what was going on behind the scenes. And it's really it's really an impressive movie. Uh, at least it was to me after I watched this documentary. So I'd highly recommend it. Is there anywhere else to watch it except the Blu-ray? I'm not sure. You could probably find it on YouTube somewhere. To go back to the 100 uh, Death Stars, uh-huh. One Star Destroyers. What I like so much about episode five, as I've said in a previous episode, it's it's my favorite Star Wars movie, 
is that the stakes like never get that big. So the original trilogy never gets to this point where everything is on the line, uh-huh. right? It's never so grandiose. I mean, it's a big deal. Like the, the empire is trying to blow up worlds and they do blow up a world successfully. And that's a big deal. But like episode five is a pretty small storyline in a lot of ways. And by the end, you have a, a big confrontation, but it's just a confrontation between two people, right? There's not like a ton of lives at stake by the end of that, but it's still such a compelling story because in some ways it's kind of insular, right? Like it, it's a small scale, but we're very invested in the yeah. characters that we're, we're given while I think the mistake, one of the many mistakes that were made with rise of Skywalker, especially is that they just made it such a huge, a huge scale that now we have every planet in existence mm-hmm. in the galaxies. You guys better watch out. We're about to get blown up. <laughs> every single thing that exists is at risk of of being blown up. Annihilation, yeah. Uh, and I think the interesting thing is really there is... I see your point about it being like a smaller scale in terms of like direct risk in episode five and six. But there is like... The, there is a risk to everything, but the risk is a yes. more metaphorical one of like a battle of ideologies. It's a battle between tyranny and freedom. Yeah, look, I mean, glo- which is like galactic, I think is more compelling. Galactic domination is no small thing. I, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm definitely not not making that argument. You're not saying the Empire did nothing wrong, right? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the, the this very fact that the Emperor wants Luke to convert to uh-huh. the dark side so that they can have complete control right. and domination over everything. I think the battle of ideologies is like more compelling than yeah, and like again, just blowing shit up. Again, going back to what we talked about before with the prequel trilogy, it's, it's all very political. Yeah. Right. Everything is about the balance of power, where the power resides and who it's being used against. Mm-hmm. Whereas with this sequel trilogy, that's never very clear, uh, which is just, I think a, a big oversight in the direction of the sequel trilogy, yeah. which is too bad. And a really beautiful thing about the original trilogy is you have what's basically a terrorist organization and they're the good guys fighting against this like threat of imperialism, which really makes you think. All right. Well, thank you guys for listening to this episode. Uh, please give us a follow. Please give us a like, please subscribe to us. We would love to hear your thoughts and uh, just shoot us a comment or a DM. We'd love to know what you think. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at I Hate Sand Podcast. Please give us a like. Please give us a follow. We would love to know what you think about these episodes.